Thank you for joining us for Dwelling Place Lithia Podcast. We hope this message will help you find your identity in Christ and create growth in your life. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Good morning, everybody. So today I'm going to be preaching the greatest sermon you have ever heard. No offense, Jamie, you did a great job last week. I'm actually going to be quoting part of the greatest sermon you've ever heard. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, so if you could turn with me uh, to Matthew 5. um, So I'm not going to be reading the entire thing. But I I did want to go over some things with you this morning that I think are important that we recognize about the Sermon on the Mount. Um, First of all, the Sermon on the Mount is kind of like um, Jesus is presenting the kingdom. He is he's he's uh, he's starting his ministry. And he's saying, this is how the kingdom operates. So he starts out with some blessings. And uh, like he says, like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall uh, inherit the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes through all these blessings, and then he goes and talks about salt and light. And then after that, he talks about morality. And he's just talking about how things work in the kingdom of heaven. And he's explaining this backwards, upside-down kingdom, this thing that's different from everything that we've ever seen and goes against our human nature. So one thing I'm going to focus on this morning is the salt and light portion of this message because this, this Sermon on the Mount, you, you could break this down and you could preach this for probably a, a few months. Um, it just there, There's so much here, and I encourage you to study this. But in verse 13 of chapter 5, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but as salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to throw out and be trampled under people's feet. Luke gives us a little bit more indication about what he means here. Luke says that if salt has become, has lost its taste, if it's lost its saltiness, that it's no longer good for the soil or the dung pile. So Luke is a little more graphic about what they were using salt for. Now, I started thinking about it, and it's like I've never picked up a salt shaker and poured salt out and thought, this just doesn't taste very salty. Like, no matter how the salt, if it's clumped together or whatever, it always tastes salty. So I started doing some research. Salt can't lose its salty taste. It's not possible. It is a strong chemical compound. But why did Jesus say that? If it's not possible, why did the Messiah say that? See, this is why it's important to read the Bible and really study it, not just go through it and read it, because you're going to come up with stuff like this. And if somebody comes to you and says, this isn't even possible, and the guy you say you follow said this, how are you going to answer that? So, Jesus said it. Back then, what, there, there's, there are some things that can, that can happen. And back then, there were impurifications that would get into salt. A lot of times, they would scoop salt up for, uh, from, the, from the, the, the Dead Sea. And whenever they would scoop that salt up, somebody who was, let's say they were a little conniving, they would mix in some sand with it. And the sand and the salt would look similar. They'd get it home. Maybe there was more sand than salt. You sprinkle that on your food, 
salt lost its saltiness. But there were other ways. A lot of times, the salt wasn't even what we thought was salt. It just had some salt that was around it, and it was some other compound in itself. So the way that saltiness loses its salt is when it's corrupted by something that's not salt. So he goes on after that, and he starts talking about light. And he says that you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the house. Let me just say that if you light a lamp and put it under the basket, that's dumb. It just is. If you do that, we can't be friends anymore. I still love you. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So what's the purpose of the light? To show your good works. Well, hold on. If we go a little bit further over here, it tells us that whenever we do something, we do it in secret. That when you give to the poor, you give it in secret. Yeah, it says, beware of practicing your righteousness. In verse 6, chapter 1, it says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. That's the same sermon. What do you do with that? I'm serious. What do you do with it? The whole thing is about motive. One way you want to be a light so you can give glory to the Father, the other way you want to be a light so you can give glory to yourself. It's all about your motive. So like I was saying, the Sermon on the Mount is kind of, this is Jesus presenting the kingdom of heaven. And he even gives us a prayer in here, right? He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who would love to see that? Is that the desire of your heart this morning that the kingdom of heaven will come? His will be done on earth as it is in heaven? That's my desire. So we pray that prayer. And we accept that this, this, this whole thing that we see in here where we're talking about when we fast, we don't want to look gloomy. Um, whenever we're not supposed to be anxious, we lay up our treasures in heaven and we don't judge other people and all these other things that it says in here. And Jesus says that he starts talking about Moses' law. And he says that Moses, it says that you're not supposed to commit adultery. But I say that if you looked with a, at a woman with lust in your heart, that you've already sinned. This is Jesus saying this. This is not me. If you have a problem with it, it's in the Word. This is what we've ascribed to. We're Christians. So this looks like a life that is, is tough for a lot of people to live. A lot of times we like to take the blessings of God. We like to look at all the things that Jesus did for us and make Christianity about us. When Christianity is about God. It's about God's love for us. And it's about him pulling us into, into his flock, pulling us into his family. But he never meant to make this to be about you. He never meant for you to be a Christian, and all of a sudden, you turn, you turn your camera on yourself. You get everything in selfie mode, 
and you walk into church and worship is about you, is this my favorite song? Does it sound good today? And then we go and we start, we, we go over to feed the homeless and feeding the homeless is about us. We're taking pictures, putting them online. Look what I did out here. And then we post something that says, it's just some, something Christian, as Christian as you can get, as Jesus as you can be. How about that? And we, quote, we post something online, and we go back and check, did I get any likes? Did anybody share this? Even what you're saying about God is about you. Jamie was quoting a, a thing about, um, uh, he, was, he was talking about uh, uh, Francis Chan, where he did this message where he was drinking from a bottle. And that was part of his message, but the, the whole message was, was talking to me. He was in Thailand. He was talking about the people over there. He said, you people take more selfies than anybody I've seen in my life. But he was talking about how we do everything in selfie mode now. And when we go to, it used to be if you go to a place where there was a beautiful waterfall, you just sit and you stare at the waterfall. And now you go to the waterfall you get the waterfall in the background, you get your camera out, and you're taking a picture of you in front of the waterfall. Let me tell you something. You messed up that picture. You did. The waterfall was beautiful the way that God made it. You jumped in there and messed it all up. But see, we go, in, we go into, we have to check our motives. Because, like, being the light of the world... That we're, we're supposed to let our light shine, but it's not supposed to shine to bring attention to us. It's to bring attention to God. Amen? And that's where a lot of, a lot of times the church gets messed up. Another part in here, it, in, and this is where things can get confusing if we don't understand what motive is behind what Jesus is talking about. Because if we go into chapter 7, this is at the very end of it. Verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. If you're going to a church or if you're a part of a group and those people are prophesying, those people are casting out demons, you're seeing mighty miracles. What do you think about that group? Do you th would you think that that group is far from God? Would you think that that group doesn't know God? It's not about the miracles and the things that are going on. It's about a condition of the heart, and it's about motive. This past week, the, this, is, this, is a, this is the time where you got to check yourself. And it's good to remember that Checking yourself is how you clear up things that are around you because there's a lot of times when things that look like they're good are not good and where things that look like they're bad are not bad. Some of the same stuff Jamie was talking about. So it's important to put checks in your life to know where you're coming from, to, to make sure your motives are right. And I've been in a place before where I've said some things or done some things where I thought that my motives were right and they were dead wrong. And I've had to go, to, go apologize for those things. 
This past week, I was reading a, a or I, I was actually doing some research. I was doing YouTube research, to be honest. But I was doing some research, and there were these people that had transplants, like heart transplants, lung transplants, stuff like that. And they would go, the people that received these transplants, they all had the same thing. They, they all would say the same thing. They would say that this person is my savior, this person is family now. Anything that they need, I would be there for them. I would do anything for that person. That's because they were sick. They were going to die. They were living in a place where they were going to die if they didn't get a transplant. That was going to happen. They had no other way. Nothing else could have cured them but a transplant. And they got that transplant. And the person that they got the transplant from, they were so thankful to that person that they would do anything. They would give their own life for that person's family because that other person may have given their life for them. It may have been an organ donor. They would do anything. Think about that. If, if somebody, if you had a kid, I'm not going to wish this on anybody, but if your kid had something that was wrong with them, and the only way that they were able to go on is if somebody gave them a kidney. First of all, you would search the world over trying to get that kidney. And then the person who gave that kidney, you would be in debt to them for the rest of your life. And that's for your kid. I'm here to tell you, before you were saved, you were in sin and you were dying. Jesus gave every organ in his body for you. Jesus gave his entire life for you. So when he asked, when he talks about the Sermon on the Mount, and he's, he's telling you about these things that are hard to do, just remember what he gave for you. He gave you everything. He didn't stop when it hurt. It was, imagine that person that gave everything, that gave, their, gave a part of themselves for your child. Imagine if they did that without any medication. They just went through the pain, even though they didn't know you, even though they didn't know your child. That's not even close to what Jesus did. Because he went through that pain he knew us, and he knew that we would betray him. He knew that everything that our life was set up on was sin, and he was trying to get that out of us. And he said, there's just this one chance. If this one chance, I can give absolutely everything, and it will make them right with me, right with my Father. It will bring them from a place of death to a place of life. If I can do this one thing, even if they're going to reject me while I'm doing it, I will walk through that. That's what Jesus did. He knew, it was gonna, he knew what it was going to cost. So we've got to be aware of our motives. We have to have those checks in our life. If you, get, if you know you're supposed to be living a certain way and you are not, I'm not talking about struggling with stuff, but I'm just saying, like, if you know that you're supposed to be doing some things that you're not, I want you to check yourself. If the salt doesn't taste like salt, you may have picking up the wrong shaker. If you want to hide your lamp, maybe you have the wrong fire burning. 
Because when you're a recipient of life, when you were faced with death, and you're a recipient of life from someone who gave it all, who didn't have to, the only answer is I am in your debt and whatever you need, I'm there for you. You owe your life to him. It makes it easy. That's an easy check. We want the kingdom of heaven. We don't want to see people sick anymore. We don't want to see people that die without knowing God. We don't want to see those things. We want those things to be far from us. In order for those things to be far from us, we have to accept the rest of the rules. We have to accept that we have to be a different people, that we can't lust with our eyes, that we can't be a people of greed, that we have to look different. Everything that the Bible tells us, we have to let our life fall in line with what Jesus has called us to. And when you see someone who needs something, when you see someone in need, what Jesus says to the least, when you, whatever you've done to the least of these you've done to me, he meant that. To minister to God is to minister to others. It's to minister to the hurting. Some of this stuff in the Bible is tough. It's tough to live your life that way unless you recognize the person you're living for. That's why Jesus talks about the treasure in the, uh, treasure in the field. There was that treasure in the field that the man found it, and he went back and he sold everything that he had so that he could buy that field. When you recognize the treasure, the stuff you're holding on to loses its value. He didn't, you don't buy the treasure for the price of the treasure. That treasure is yours by default because you got rid of your other treasures. So I'll say to you again, if your salt isn't salty, check your shaker. And if you want to hide your flame, think about who lit your fire or what is lighting your fire. The only response to someone saving your life is that you will do anything for that person. Everything, anything short of that is ungratefulness. Jesus gave it all, every bit. And we owe him our everything. In exchange, we get to live a life with him. It's a life that's outside of the deception of this life. Outside of the deception of what's important in this life. You stand with me this morning. I want you to know that if you've had 
If at any point this morning that you've thought about those things and you're wondering if if your motives are pure, the amazing thing about it is the only thing that you have to do is change your way of thinking. You just align it with God and say, God, I want it to be all about you. And really let, your mind, let it sink into your mind what he did for you. Let it sink into your mind because it's important that we know the weight and the value of what Jesus did. I hate the fact that, that, that we've gone from a place of giving our lives to Christ to inviting him into our heart. Because he was never, he's never somebody, he, he was never meant to be somebody who lives inside of our heart. That, that minimizes what Jesus did for us. Dying on a cross, giving everything for you, requires you giving everything for him. That's the only exchange. His life for your life. That's it. Anything short of that, there was no exchange made at all. I want you to know if you invited Jesus to live into your heart, really check it. Really check it. Did you give your life to God? And I'm not talking about words. Words are nothing. It's about what you what your life looks like. Because what Jesus said is take up your cross and follow me. Get ready to die to those old things. Get ready to die to the old person you were. Die to those old sins. Die to those to being envious. Die to the lies. Die to everything that you valued before that didn't honor me. Everything is dead. That's the exchange. And you can't let the old man die and then drag his corpse behind you. Because he's left there, never to be revived. You're a new creature. All the old things have passed away. There's nothing left to be treasured out of your old life. We hope you enjoyed this message. If so, please share it. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at dwellingplacelithia.org forward slash donate. We'll see you next week, and may God bless you and your family.